Welcome in everyone to Locked on Knicks. I am Alex Wolf. He is Gavin Shaw. Today we have a very special guest. We have Jonathan Macri of Knicks Film School. You may know him from his newsletter, from his podcast, uh, from all the other great things that he does, his Twitter handle, all the all the great things that John does. We have him on here today discussing something that John and Gavin actually discussed uh, late last year, uh, by which I mean late 2018. Uh, the chances of the Knicks under or 25 and under to make the all-star team at any point in their career. So we're going to get into that on today's show. Yeah, and, and we had some major disagreements on guys like R.J. Barrett, Alonzo Trier, Dennis Smith Jr. So you should you should tune in for those debates specifically between me and John. Alex is kind of the voice of reason. But then Alex comes in at the end with just an extraordinarily hot take. Um, and you can look forward to that on this edition of the Locked on Knicks podcast. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Knocks foul from behind. Count at one. What he does is contagious. Robinson with a catch and slam. Across the lane to Trier. Trier drives. Becomes infectious. All right, welcome in everyone to Locked On Knicks. We have a very cool episode for you guys today. We got Jonathan Macri of Knicks Film School coming back to Locked On Knicks. First time in a minute, John. Uh, it's it's been a while since you've been here. I think by chance I, I've been on your Knicks Film School podcast since uh, I started on Locked On Knicks, but I don't think you've been on Locked On Knicks with me at least on the show since I, you know, Gavin and I took over. So. I think I think the one episode that I was on locked on since you took over as host was when um, you were boycotting my presence on the show under the guise of you were on your honeymoon, which yeah, I, I'm convinced right. was a fabrication. Yeah, Alex specifically told me that he said, "Hey, Macri's going to be on this week. I got to I got to book the vacation." I said, "All right, I get him in." Yeah, yeah I got a which lot is of- fine. It's cool. Yeah, you know, I, I you know like booked it down to Mexico and. You know, had to even get out of the country. You know, I couldn't be in the same country as you if you're on my podcast. But anyway. No offense. Uh, John, <laughs> yeah. John, it's great to have you here. Uh, yeah. Good to be here. I, yeah. How was your how was your summer and everything? Was everything good? Yeah. Um, I was home all summer um, watching my daughter um, as she slowly terrorized me um, because she is almost three years old. And that is what almost three year olds do. Um, but it was good. You know, it, I don't know how you guys felt. Um, it took me a little bit to get kind of detached from, uh, the craziness of, you know, the, the end of last season with free agency and everything. And, um, I, I actually needed to like make an effort to kind of mentally like step away for, for a little bit of time. Um, and now it's like, all right, where it feels like we're slowly ramping up and, you know, training camp will, will be here before we know it. So, um, I'm getting excited. I'll say that. Yeah. It's the shortest off season in sports and it always feels like the For shortest sure. off season in sports, yeah. uh, especially because stuff is going on even during the doldrums. Uh, so we got a pretty cool, uh, you know, actually it's funny because talking about it's the first time you've been on since, you know, like last December, <laughs> yes. we, we did basically the same concept or I shouldn't say we, you and Gavin did the same concept of uh, grading out the chances. Uh, we'll say percentage chances that, uh, a bunch of given Knicks make an all-star game. And so we're going to do that again, because there's obviously a ton of new faces here and it was fun last time. And there's no doubt it'll be fun this time. Cause there's nothing like assigning arbitrary numbers to things. Uh, and you know, <laughs> uh, trying to, trying to put values on things that you can't put value on. So I, I think we could probably just start with a couple, you know, home run, not going to make it candidates um, and just get them out of the way. But our criteria was that, if you're going to be eligible for this exercise, you have to be under the age of 25 or 25 or under by the time that the season starts uh, to qualify for this exercise. So we'll start with newcomer Alfred Payton at point guard. Uh, 
John, what's your what's your take here? What do you think percentage-wise, chances that Alfred Payton ever makes an all-star team? All right. So, you know, <laughs> just on the off chance that I ever meet any of these guys, um, I don't want I don't want to give anyone a zero percent chance because that would be awkward, right? Like, you know, it's a professional athlete. They've worked their entire life to get to this this point, and you're going to be like, I have a zero percent chance. I'm only I'm 25 years old, zero percent. So I'm going to assign Alfred Payton um, a 2.5 percent chance of someday making an All Star team. Yeah, I, you know, he's only a jump shot away. The issue is he's, he's <laughs> going to have a jump shot. So uh, I'm 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 with that. I'm, I'm good with 2.5. I like that number. I'm gonna I'm gonna give him a robust double of that five percent chance, <laughs> one in twenty of making an All Star team. The only way I can see that happening is if the Knicks get super super good, and for whatever reason he's the guy at point guard because he's at best he'll be like a rondo type player and rondo type players only make it if they're on really 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 good teams so i mean that's we, that's the only way we should say that he does play the one position that throughout nba history has historically taken some guys you know four or five six years to really uh, find themselves so it's not it's not like you know out of completely out of the question but it, it's out of the question it's more or less out of the question yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so next we'll, we'll go Damian Dotson, another kind of old soul amongst these young men. Uh, I, I'm going to, I'll just lead off with this one. This for Dotson, I'll go like 1%, his type of, I, I don't want to go zero either, but his, his like type of player that he is, is not very much appreciated for all-star games. Like I, I don't think that he would ever make it even if he reaches a ceiling. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna yeah, go, you go ahead. Yeah, I, I just a little a little higher. Actually, I think he's like he he's a five percenter to me, just because he did have those few like crazy games last year where he hit like seven eight threes in a quarter. And now, I mean, I don't think as evidenced by the five percent that's exceptionally likely to ever happen on a consistent basis. But I, I guess um, kind of like what we what we just said about point guards developing late. Sometimes you see like shooters being able to hit at a higher volume and greater frequency, like guys like Wayne Ellington, someone like Kyle Korver is like the ultimate example of, of someone who, I mean, obviously he was a much higher level shooter than Dot was when he was younger, but who eventually turned himself into an all-star. So maybe there's some world where he's on a really good team and he just starts hitting 42% of his threes and takes like eight or nine of them a game. And that leads to a fluke all-star birth one year. I don't know. I'm stretching, but that, that that's the scenario I'd, I'd imagine where he would make it. Um, the player, the player comp I'm going to do for for Dotson's like ceiling outcome is like the absolute best case scenario he could ever imagine is like Damari Carroll on the 2014-15 Hawks, um, and he was um, the only member of that starting five to not make the All Star team that year, um, and I feel like even if everything fell into the right place and Dotson ended up as like essentially the fifth guy on like the starting lineup for a really, really good team. Um, he's still like you kind of said to start off Alex, just his player type is, it doesn't get um, that kind of recognition. So I will, I can't go, I can't go 1%. Um, I'm with, I'm with Gavin. I'm going to go, I'm going to go 5% for Dotson. Wow. See, you know, I'm actually surprised about higher percentage for Dotson versus Peyton, who who puts up at least counting stats, which people seem to like. Yeah, but I could, like, see, could you couldn't see Dotson one year in his career averaging like I don't know seventeen, eighteen points a game, and it's that, I don't know. I, I I question if he's ever going to be more than like a thirteen to fifteen point per game guy. Maybe at this point, but may I I don't know. Maybe I mean I guess he could be a super late bloomer. I guess you never really know, but. Uh, I think there's already some guys on the Knicks roster that sort of have similar like career length archetypes, you know, to Dotson and that's Ellington and Bullock. And, that you know, they kind of maxed out at like, you know, 10 to 14 point per game players. So I like how you went with Bullock as opposed to just Bullock. I it, I, I've been I've heard it say Bullock, right? That's, I, that's I, how I you it, actually pronounce it. it right? I, I've done it like three different ways. So I might be confusing you, Alex. Oh no, I love it. I'm I'm actually gonna go with Bullock from now on until somebody corrects me. So I think that's how you actually say it. I mean, I might be wrong, but I, I don't know. I was I feel like I heard someone reputable say it that way, and so then I just started mimicking because you know, like that's what I do. I like um, it. it. It is it is Bullock. I just checked. Good. Or right, well, yeah. Now I feel smart. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
All right, so moving right along uh, to get through these sort of, I, I don't want to call them. Yeah, we're, we're going too too long on these guys. <laughs> yeah, the unlikely candidates here. Uh, next up, Iggy Brazdakis. Um, Iggy, I'm at, I'll go a little higher. I'm going to say, I'm going to give him a shade over 5%, so he's more than Alfred Payton. I'm, I'll give him like 7% chance. Uh, I, I do think, I mean, it's too early to tell with him. That's the only thing, you know, but we're talking about a guy who has good pedigree. He was Big Ten freshman of the year. Um, I think he got a little bit underdrafted and sort of fell to the Knicks uh, in this draft. And he showed during Summer League that he definitely has some scoring chops if he puts it together. He's a hustle defender, so hopefully he won't be a guy that can't stay on the floor because he he can't keep anybody in front of him. Um, and, and he'll at least do an admirable job defending. So there's like a chance, maybe, that he develops into like a pretty dynamite scorer and can potentially sneak into an all-star game. I don't think it's entirely likely, though. Um, my buddy Bernard is going to kill me if I give this anything less than 50%, but I, I'm going to have to upset him. Iggy is his, his new favorite, Nick. Um, I will go... Um, I, I'm going to stick with, actually, the, the 5%, which I actually... It's like, I'm thinking to myself, what odds would someone have to give me for me to put, like, 50 bucks down on this player will make an all-star team at some point in their career? And... I would be okay with lighting $50 on fire if I knew that um, 2000, actually, yeah, two, no, what's, if it's 20 to one odds, hold on, I teach math, I should know this. So then, yeah, $1,000. Yeah, I would light $50 on fire for the prospect of getting 1000 back, sure. So 5%. Yeah, I'm, I'm going six, just because I feel like he's, I mean, obviously he's not the defender, but like, I, I guess like the profile in which he would make an all-star game where he just goes crazy from three. One year is similar to Dotson, and he's five years younger, so he probably should be a little bit higher. So I'll, I'll, I'll give him 6%. I also like how competitive he is, so I, that, that kind of pushes me there. Yeah, that's, that's fair. I, I, can, I can get with that. Uh, all right, so moving to our next side. This is probably, well, eh, I, I think we probably got like two more. As much as I hate to admit that the, the next guy after this guy is probably not going to make it ever in his career. Uh, th- these are probably our last two unlikely candidates. Uh, Bobby Portis, what are we thinking as far as Bobby goes? I, I think the, the odds are higher that he punches an all-star than he makes an all-star <laughs> <laughs> that, that's where That's where I would put it. That's, that's my official answer. Uh, he's my low. Um, I'm gonna. I'll go with one percent out of uh, out of the courtesy that I spoke of earlier. And and it's not because I don't think he's a, a could turn into a potentially talented winning player. Um, I just I'm not sure what the road is for him to ever be a starter on a good team. Um, I, I, I I don't I just don't see that um, rim protection. Um, nor do I see like. He's not gonna like start at the four or anything like that. So yeah, if you're not if you're never gonna start, you're never gonna make an all star team. So one percent. I'm gonna I'll, I'll go. Oh man, I don't know. I'll I'll go like six percent. I'll I'll be the believer in Bobby. Wow, he had pretty good numbers like last year. So you never know. Maybe he like proves himself and outplays Julius Randle and steals his job or something. Sure. <laughs> I could barely even say it with a straight face, but <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's 14 points, eight rebounds last year, shot almost 40% from three. I mean, I don't know. You increase that to 20 points and 10 rebounds and suddenly you're a 2010 player and, and you know, the coaches and whatever, when they're voting for the all-star game, love that crap. So you never know. Maybe it'll happen. Maybe not on the Knicks, but maybe it'll happen. You know, it'll probably be on whatever team he signs with next summer after the Knicks cut bait on his second year option or whatever. Don't uh-huh. you feel like he could have made like an All Star game in two thousand two? Like I, I could see him like on a team getting like really heavily featured and putting up like eighteen and nine and like in the East in like circa two thousand two. That would have been enough. So maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm underplaying it a little bit. I think I, I like I like six percent. I think that's a, that's a fair number. All right. And- and I want to jump the gun. Can I can I guess who the next person whose name you're going to throw out is because of how you prefaced it a second ago? Absolutely, yeah. I know you know who it is. Yeah, you're going to say Frank Nilakina. Absolutely. And I, I'm going to be offended because that means you are putting Alonzo Trier unless – is Trier 25 and I, I missed that? No, he's he's still under 25, Yeah, right? Trier's like 24. 23. 23, 24. So the fact that Jamal Crawford and Lou Williams, who, you know – like play Trier's 
career out a hundred times and maybe once or twice it equals those guys. The fact that neither of them have ever made an all-star team should automatically mean that we are mentioning Trier on this podcast before we mention um, Frank Nilakina. So I want to just log that. Well, why are we, okay. Well, why are we putting Trier in that box though? I mean, he was only a rookie last year, right? So he could potentially, he could potentially develop into more (sighs) man type of guy. I I don't think it's unheard of. So you think he at some there is a ceiling outcome where he could be a starter on a good team? I know. I mean, I know for sure because Gavin's Gavin has put Trier in the the breath of All Star before. So I know Gavin's going to say that there's a decent chance that he could yeah, potentially gotta, do it. Yeah. Um. I think there's there's a chance he could be more than just a six man. Yeah. Like I definitely think that. Now the the thing with Frank is that I think that Frank is never going to put up All Star stats. That's why I'm saying it's like I think he's a low probability guy. Because I could just ne- I I could see him just never ever putting up the stats necessary to get like a the fan vote and then b like a, a coach vote you know and it's uh, every player wants to complain if you know they have x number of stats and don't make the the all star team or whatever um, Frank would never get a nod unless he was literally like the starting point guard on like a like a team that projected to win you know seventy wins or something like that like he's not gonna get a nod uh, playing the brand of basketball that he plays I don't think. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, I'm thinking of, a, again, different type of game, but like Derek Fisher, another guy who never made an all-star team, um, even though he was on some damn good teams. All right. Yeah, I'll, 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 pull back, I'll pull back my official complaint. I'll consider logging it at a later time. Okay. Um, I, I am still going to give – can we just do both of these guys at the same time? Yeah, well, I, I, Frank first. We'll do Frank, and then we'll Frank. take a quick break, and then we'll, we'll hop back in with Trier and get Perfect. Into- yes. Um, I'm going to give Frank, I'm going to give Frank 10%. Um, cause I think the scenario that you literally just described, I think there was a possibility that that happens. At some, cause again, we like some guys we just like very talented guys. We still discuss, um, their games from the perspective of they need to correct A, B, C, and D. Frank doesn't need to correct A, B, C, and D. He needs to correct. A, he needs to shoot. He needs to be able to make shots. If he could just make shots, it changes everything. Now, I say that knowing he was the worst um, high-volume shooter in the league last year, but brushing that aside, um, if he got that sorted out and found himself on, like, a good team someday, yeah, I don't think it's that crazy. So 10%. Yeah, I'm going – I think I'm going 8% just because the the scenario where a guy who averages under 15 points per game makes an all-star team is they're Draymond Green. Like you have to be such a special creator and you have to be such an elite defender. And I think defensively Frank can get there and I think he has a chance to be a pretty darn good passer. But I, I don't know if he's ever going to quite reach that tier. And it would take, again, almost being like a unique component on a super team and, and just a guy you don't see very often. I, I think he could be a very good role player on a great team. I, I just, I don't know if he quite has that level of play in him. And maybe um, I'm, I'm underestimating like the East West disparity. And there's like a, a version where he averages like 14 points, eight assists, six rebounds, like leads the league in steals is like the consensus best defensive point guard in the NBA. The Knicks are winning 55 games. Uh, he's throwing lobs to RJ Barrett to Mitchell Robinson. Every, everything's beautiful. And he, <laughs> he makes it, um, but I, I don't know. I just I just think it's far fetched because I don't think he's going to put up the requisite scoring numbers. So that's I, I kind of settled just under ten percent. But talk love, it into existence, options. Gavin. Talk it into existence. You know, I'm just I'm putting it out there. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna get out the locked on Knicks history book and uh, mark down one of these monumental times where Gavin and I 100 percent agree on something. Because wow. um, I'm gonna go eight <laughs> percent as well. I'm gonna give him eight uh, percent. I want to go under under ten as well. Um, not quite nine. I don't think he's that close to being a one in 10 shot. Uh, I'll give him, I'll give him, you know, an 8% chance. And kind of for the same reasons, I think the only way that he's going to make it is a, first he's got to figure out a shot enough to score over 10 points a game consistently, preferably closer to 15 points per game, which to this point in his career seemed very difficult for him to do even close to consistently. Now I do have faith that he could potentially do it. Um, then he's going to have to be on the Knicks or otherwise in a situation where he can average close to 10 assists per game and also be on a team that's good enough where his point of attack defense is visible enough that he starts getting looks for um, all defensive teams, looks at you know defensive player of the year, stuff like that. 
he would need to have that sort of rep like Draymond Green as well and be on a team that's just like like ridiculously good um, and be like their star role player. And I mean, I'll be honest, like if we're being totally straight and things can obviously change over the you know next however many years, if he stays on the Knicks, I can't see the Knicks being anything close to like a Warriors level super super team anytime soon. And even if he goes to another team, there's only so many of those teams. I mean, there's like, you know, maybe two a year. You know, there's usually one out of every conference that gets like is such a good team by the All-Star break that they get like three or four All-Star nods out of the starting lineup. And uh, Frank would have to be on one of those two teams. So I I don't think the chances are super, Uh, super high. I'm like racking my brain for a guy that is a comp to what we're talking about. And um I mean, it's kind of like Rondo. It's like Rondo when he was on the Yeah, but Rondo was also capable of being, like, the best player on the floor for times in a series against, like, LeBron freaking James. Like, we saw that. Like, Frank, that's never— If if Frank, like, actualizes in a way that he would become an awesome like this, though. I'm the biggest Frank fan in the world. I don't don't see a a Rondo ceiling. The guy I'm, I'm like, thinking of, and again, this guy was a a lethal shooter later in his career, but is, like, um, Shane Battier. Um, Again, different position, obviously, different— skill sets but like that player type and obviously you know Battier although I'm sure there were some years where like analytics people probably could have argued for him like to even be in the discussion but he never made it so yeah Yeah. I think you you guys are you're pretty much on point yeah so let's take our let's take our first break here we'll take a quick uh a quick break here and then come back and get into uh some other guys maybe start getting into Slightly more likely scenarios where maybe we'll even crack 15 or 20%. So we'll do that when we get back to Locked on Knicks. Hey, are you in the New York area and looking to promote your business to a young, predominantly male demographic? Then Locked on Knicks is the podcast for you. 80% of our listeners fall between the ages of 18 and 44, and 98% of those listeners are male. As the top Knicks podcast on the market, we offer a unique opportunity to engage with basketball fans in the city. If interested in an ad spot or live read, email LockedOnNicks at gmail.com for more information on pricing and availability. Our rates are very affordable compared to radio and offer a chance to reach an audience on an ever-growing platform. You are Locked On Knicks, Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf, uh, the preeminent, the dean of Knicks Film School, Jonathan Macri. Joining us to, again, talk uh, Knicks players' all-star chances. I think we're going to do this about every seven or eight months because it felt like it needed updating. And we come in with what, what's apparently sort of, a, sort of a controversial choice, at least amongst us, Alonzo Trier. Uh, I'm, he's actually, he would probably be, like when it's all said and done, I think one of my two or three highest guys on the team. But, John, you, you disagree with that a little bit. I, oh, wow, two yeah. or three highest. I, I, I can't. So. Yeah, I can't even fa- – you know what it is? I guess um, he would need – like we just – I just mentioned about Frank. Frank just needs to become a better shooter. Trier needs to become um, a better uh, – obviously a better a better passer, um, a more willing passer, a more able passer, um, a, better, a better defender. Um, and I even – like as a – just a more – a bigger point than any of that. I think the reason why, despite the fact that he was as efficient as, I mean, I know that his, his stats, his stats are insane from last year. And there have been times that I found myself actually getting annoyed over the fact that the greater NBA, um, you know, media, you know, populace, whatever you want to say has like, I'm like, why are they sleeping on this kid? Like, look at his numbers last year. I still, I get it because I'm skeptical about whether any of that is ever going to translate to him being part of, um, I shouldn't say part of a winning team, but being one of the reasons that a winning team is a winning team. Um, and I just, I, I can't see him making all of those improvements to his game to be anything more than like I referenced before, like a Jamal Crawford or, um, a Lou Williams who, you know, if they're starting and like playing a major, major, major role for your team, your team is probably not going to be very good. Um, and if they're doing what they're supposed to do, they're, you know, coming off the bench. So that's, I, I'll give it, oh God, what did I give Frank 10? I can't go higher. I, I'll, I'll give, I'll give Trier, I, I'll give him, I got to give him 8%. I'm sorry. Wow. Okay. Oof. All right. Yeah. Here's, 
Yeah, I guess here's my counter argument. I, I think sure. I, I don't think it's essential for someone with Trier's makeup to be as integral to winning to make an all-star game as it is for someone like Frank. Because he does put up, like, I mean, like, the 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 dangling carrot. It, it, it's the scoring numbers. And for me, I mean, the question about him is, can he sustain the efficiency he showed last year over a higher volume? And that's, that's like, a big ask because he was super-duper efficient. He was, like, one of – you can make an argument out of the perimeter guys. He was, um, like, one of the two or three most efficient rookie scorers in all of basketball last year. And, yeah. and we keep reading uh, Mike Workinov. I've referenced it a billion times, and we'll finally get to talk with him about it uh, tomorrow. Spoiler, he's coming on. Um, but uh, he he wrote that great article on Trier's offseason, how he's working on shooting off the ball, and he, he's really intent – on becoming a higher volume three-point shooter. So I think we'll see really early on if he's actually as good as he showed, which I'm I'm somewhat dubious of because he was really just ridiculously good from three-point range last year. But like in the small scenario where he is, like to me that's a guy who at his at the peak of his powers should average at least 20 points per game, if not more than 20 points per game, when you take into account his ability to get to the line and shoot well once he gets there. And I, I don't see a reason why that guy, if he just lands on the right team in the right year with the right number of injuries, I mean, you got to remember, like, it, it's really all those factors for who actually makes an all-star team. I, I could see him sort of fluking into one. And, and just given how low the odds are for the vast majority of the guys on this Knicks roster, I think that puts him pretty high up for me. So I'm going, uh, I'm going, uh, 20% feels generous. I, I'll do it. I'm going, I'm going 20%. Wow. Yeah. Really we'll, we'll, nice. see. we'll see. All right. I'm going to go. I'm going to sort of split the difference between you two, but not quite. Uh, I'm going to give him a 16.6 repeating wow. uh, percent chance Very of making it. One in, one in six, exactly. One in six, baby. Yep, because <laughs> he projects to be a potential, you know, top caliber sixth man for his career. So why not give him a one in six chance? I think I, I sort of meet in the middle between you two. Like, I think... um. I think there's a good chance that he's going to get quite a bit better. Um, I think towards the end of last year, and it sort of flew under the radar because he got hurt, like, for the very end of the year and stuff like that. So he sort of, you know, dropped off everybody's vision while Mitch Robinson was going nuts to end the season and Knox kind of picked his play back up and stuff like that. But, like, Trier, right before he got hurt to end the year, was finally starting to add some of the stuff that Gavin was just talking about, you know, catch and shoot and working on, you know, off-ball movement and stuff like that. And if he could truly embrace that and, you know, I think he's I think he's shown at times to at least be able to be a passable defender. Um, he could potentially be a starter at some point in his career, maybe even as soon as this year. Honestly, um, I think it is going to be wide open in camp this year for the Knicks. And I think there's a decent chance that maybe especially based off how I mean, Trey looked dominant in summer league in that like one game that he played um, in summer league and. You know, if he carries that same sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Swagger. Like swagger, gusto, you know, whatever over <laughs> like into, gusto, gusto, pretty good <laughs> uh, over into this new season in the training camp and, and, you know, plays like he thinks that he could be the best player on the floor. Um, I think there's a decent chance that maybe coming out of camp, he gets rewarded and gets a starting spot. And then, you know, as long as he doesn't flub it and, you know, give that back up. You know, maybe maybe we do see him as a starter this year. I think there's a decent chance that Fisdale might just also kind of have him penciled in for six man to begin with, though, just because what he does is like quintessentially sixth man. You know, like he can come in and get buckets and he can distribute a tiny bit and run a little bit of backup point or whatever. Uh, but mostly he's out there to, to score for you. Um, I guess it's all just going to depend on how he can diversify his game. Uh, and, you know, really adjust and and make himself a more complete player, especially at a relatively advanced age for a second year player. So uh, I'll, I'll say this. And, and this is going to sound like a besmirchment of uh, a Nick legend. And it, it kind of is. But I don't mean it as that. Um, if John Starks can make an all star team, I guess Alonzo Trier can make an all star team. So there you sure. go. <laughs> all right. Uh, so let's move on. Now we're now we're starting to hit. I think some greener pastures here yeah. as far as these guys go. Uh, I'm going to go with Dennis Smith Jr. next. Uh, a lot of people are expecting kind of a breakout for him this year. Uh, it, but he's, I don't know, like you talk about polarizing players amongst fans. I feel like most people are generally like somewhat high on him. But 
uh, like there's a, a pretty large contingent of people, at least like on the Internet and stuff like Twitter and whatever, that really think that Smith is like has all star written all over him and has this like big third year jump coming up. So, John, I'm kind of curious what you think as far as that goes. <sighs> I mean, it's um, to me, at least it's easily the most uncertain guy that we're going to talk about. Um, I've said since last season ended well no i shouldn't say that i've said since they did not uh land Kyrie irving that i thought their their 2019 20 season would swing um completely and totally on how dennis smith jr performs um i mean look uh steve francis i don't think that's an unfair player comp at all um you know there were a lot of people who thought smith should have gone uh, as high as third in his draft, uh, Steve Francis was obviously the second pick. Uh, Steve Francis made three All Star teams. Um, we've seen, you know, lesser players of that player type make All Star games. Nick Van Exel, you know, made an All Star game. Um, a different type of player. Not I'm not comparing these two guys, but like Jason Williams, like white white chocolate Jason Williams. Um, I think so, unless I'm mistaking this for the. For the Nets guy, no. Did Jason Williams make an also? I gotta look that one up because the guy I, ju- I clicked on it and it was Jason Williams, the Nets old Jason Williams. So I'm not sure about Jay Williams. The point is, we've seen lesser talents than Dennis Smith Jr. make All Star teams. Um, he can do it. Uh, does he? You know, wanna like give over to it, like the game what a point guard needs to give of themselves, which includes like making sacrifices. Um, I don't I don't know if I'm willing to bet money that he will. So I am going to put it at Oh god, this feels a little low. Um I was going to say 25. I'm going to go with 35. No, I can't go 35. 30. I'm going to go 30% chance. So just just to answer the uh question there, White Chocolate never made a All-Star team. Also, his <laughs> That's a shame, by the way. He's White shame. Chocolate Jason Williams' best years, honestly, were barely better than Dennis Smith's second year in the league, if that makes you feel any better. Uh, his best statistical year, he averaged 15 points, 8 assists on 38% shooting. <laughs> Yikes. Okay, <laughs> the, shooting, the shooting numbers may be worried there so much. But, um, I feel anyway. like the, the elbow pass should have given him like an extra three points per game. Like they should have. That's think why all star games yeah. are made. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they should have he should have gotten like an honorary one. Um I don't know. I'm 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 way so we're this is we, we flip here. Like I'm I'm way lower on Dennis Smith Jr. And I think I agree with you, like he's he's the archetype of a guy who should eventually or like could make an all star team. I just I don't know. I just I think there's something missing there and I've never totally like I mean like in, in bits and pieces I'm able to put my finger on it, but I don't know if I've ever really found someone who summed it up really perfectly, but he, he just, I mean, just with how atrocious the free throw shooting is last year, like at times, like he seemed like, I don't know if like scared or hesitant is the right word, but like to go all the way to the rim, he, he's obviously a spectacular dunker and has otherworldly athleticism, but despite it, like isn't an incredible finisher. And I, I think we, I remember, I can't remember who was with, but we had like a whole episode last year where we were just sort of like the premise of it was like, why can't Dennis Smith Jr. Be Russell Westbrook, like what is like missing? Like I mean, is it obviously his mentality a little bit? Is it like your strength? And like I mean, like I know wasn't in like I, I guess like I didn't mean that like literally like yeah I don't, yeah I, I don't think you. it's like that good. But I mean like why can't he play like that and why can't he attack like that? And like he is like a similar type of athlete, even if like Russell Westbrook is in like his own stratosphere. And I just like I just think there's something missing there, and I I don't really see it in him to be a great, great player. But I mean, I mean, statistically you look at it and like the off mentioned guys, Kemba Walker, who put up similarly like poor shooting numbers his first two years, decent rate stats. And then it turned around, he got better. Allegedly like Smith has totally evolved his jump shot over the off season. He's going to come back and be a much better shooter. And you know what, if he overnight, like his jumpers never look look broken. Like he's pretty solid form all in all. If he could turn into like a 38% three point shooter and that opens up the floor for his passing and his driving, like, yeah, he's going to all of a sudden put up all-star numbers. But I just, I don't know. I don't, I think there's, I just think there's something missing there. So I'm, I'm only going like maybe somewhere between like 18, 19%. Well, he, uh, so two things there. The other guy that he gets comp to a lot is another person that like Knicks fans might be kind of familiar with and D'Andre Russell. Um, he gets yeah, comp to thinking, him a lot. I was thinking that too. Um, as far as first two year numbers and then Russell obviously took till his, his, uh, fourth year 
to truly get that like true, true breakout uh, this past season. And then uh, uh, I would push back and say, Gavin, that his uh, Smith's jumper from the time that he got to the Knicks last year and maybe a little bit before looked phenomenally broken. It looked very broken. <laughs> if you look way back on his film, his high school college jumper and even his first year with the Mavs, it didn't look too bad, but he did he did like filthy hitch in his shot last year is just terrible. Yeah. I guess um, I'm saying like, he was like, he's like on balance. So I don't know. I, you're, you're right. Like it definitely, it came up, but there, I just like, when I think of him shooting, like I think of him in college and like, it really wasn't like bad. It was like, it looked okay. I don't know. Yeah. But th- I mean, even that said, I'm going to, I like, I'm a believer in him. I really do think that I, I think he's, I think he's underrated in a couple aspects. I think he's actually a better pastor than people give him credit for. Um, but I do understand that he's one of those type of guys that if he doesn't get himself going first, he doesn't usually look to pass first. Like he tries to get himself going, which then, you know, he can get the defense collapsing on him going into the rim or whatever. Um, and then he looks to kick out from there because he, you know, he sees it to be like upon himself to uh, feed everybody else in that regard. Uh, so, like, I think he's a better passer than he gets credit for. I think he's a little bit better of a defender than he gets credit for which would be helpful, you know, in the advanced stats era, if you can start putting up like net positive numbers. Um, I think that, and I've mentioned this a million times on the show, but the stuff that he does off ball is very impressive to me. I think he plays passing lanes really well. He creates steals and fast break opportunities, which will help him scoring, help others, you know, and help his assist numbers, stuff like that. Um, And that's not going to go away anytime soon. I don't think, because he, he has really good anticipation on passing lanes. Um, the biggest thing is the jumper, though, and, like, I want to go, like, I would consider saying 25% to be kind of high for him, if we're being honest, um, because I think that assumes, like, a one-in-four shot that he fixes his jumper to the point of it being, like, a consistent 35% from three, and he fixes his free throws to shoot, you know, at least a consistent, like, 75%, which he's never really come close to in his career. And, and he could lead a team. <laughs> yeah, and he can lead a team. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of factors here besides just the jump shot, but the jump shot is the thing that could potentially set everything else off, and in turn the free throw shooting as well. Um, but I'll, I'll say twenty percent. I'll say a one in five chance that he could make an all star team, um, and I feel pretty confident with that. As an aside, I just I was looking at the fact that he made uh, all rookie second team, um, and talk about something that's going to look. Really ridiculous. Well, it already looks really ridiculous. Do you guys realize Josh Jackson made the All NBA uh, rookie team that year, whereas uh, one De'Aaron Fox did not? <laughs> as a Phoenix Suns fan, I, I did know that, and I used <laughs> as an argument whenever people told me he sucked. I was like, no, 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 he made the All Rookie team, and it turns out he does. He does suck. He and does suck. That he's is dating like a forty-year-old. Sucks as a as a person and as a player. Uh, there you go. <laughs> he's not a great dude. But, he, no. he has the double whammy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bad. Bad beat for Josh. Jackson supporters. Anyway, uh, okay, who's next? So next, we're going to go... Uh, this is actually, I think, the first time around when you guys did this, uh, this particular guy was your top guy. But oh, I feel like he's got he's gotten kind of faded. Yeah, he's gotten a little faded here in the, the all-star potential uh, rankings here based off signings and draftees and emergences. Uh, so yeah, Kevin Knox. So let's, let's uh, get into Kevin Knox. I'll, I'll start off with Knox because I, I feel pretty strongly about this. I... I, I probably gave a number that sounds ridiculous um when i did this the first time with gavin we were both percent uh, we were both over what 50 percent for sure oh, okay i'm not gonna go that that high again um for for obvious reasons i think i'm fairly certain we recorded this uh we recorded the first episode like right when he was killing it yeah right when he was killing it. okay perfect great um nobody go listen to that please yeah um but i i still I, here's what I still feel. I still feel that there is going to be multiple seasons of his career where he averages 20 points a game um, on efficient shooting. I just I'm a I'm a believer in his offensive game. I'm a, even more so of a believer in his offensive game after I saw what I consider to be um, somewhat significant improvements this year at summer league. Um, he was a lot more efficient than he was last summer league. Um, he's getting stronger. He looks bigger. He looks the part. Um, to me, it's just a matter of whether or not the Knicks are, and I do think he's going to be a Nick for a while. Um, the Knicks are ever able to put, um, a good enough team around him where he warrants consideration. Um, and you know, I, I, 
I can't go as high as I once did, but I will go. I'm going to go an even third. I'll go 33 point uh, repeating, three repeating for for Kevin Knox. Yeah, I'm I'm right around the same range. I mean, obviously, I mean the big thing with him was he just didn't show off a whole lot of diversity in his game, and that makes it so um, essential that he really turned himself into sort of a dominant scorer. And the thing is, you do see, I mean, we're talking about point guards being like bloomers. You've seen like a lot of wings recently and guys who came out sort of in his mold as really raw guys, like um, kind of come on late. Like I think of someone like Aaron Gordon, who's just now turning himself into like a really good three-point shooter. And obviously Gordon, like a different level of athlete, but sort of the same trajectory and how he came in with like a really nice frame. And it took him a while to actually like translate that into um, functional NBA strength. And I think in, in summer league, the mo- thing I was most excited about with Knox is that like, he just looked like bigger. And I think that in turn, like made it easier for him to shoot and just everything he did seemed a little bit more effortless. I, I will say, I think I'll have a much better gauge of this after a few weeks into the season. It, it would, we're able to kind of tell, all right, like how much of last year where he was just like horridly inefficient was that him just being a rookie versus that just sort of him as a player. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go slightly lower. I think I want to say like 28, 29%, like right under 30 and just over like one in four sort of feels right for him. I, I just, my, my big thing is I, I don't totally trust the Knicks to develop him correctly, but maybe that's me being a little bit too pessimistic and assigning the sins of Knicks teams past onto the current Knicks and he'll, he'll turn himself into a star. I am going to go, uh, John, you've been doing a great job this whole time of pulling up former players to compare these guys to. And this is my, this has been my Knox comp for like the, all of last year. And I'm never going to let go of it until I'm proven otherwise. I think he could still turn out to be like a Richard Lewis type player. Wow. And okay. Like 20 points a game, like five rebounds could become a passable defender. And Did he make like three all-star teams, two, three. Two, Rashard Two. Lewis okay. made. Although you could really, looking at his statistical profile, if he hadn't played in the West, he probably could have made about five. Um, That's fair. Because he had, he had, what, one, two, three, four, five, six straight seasons, uh, one of which was with Orlando. But he had six straight seasons where he averaged about 18 a game, uh, was shooting about 40% from three, all that good stuff. So he he had all the, the counting numbers that probably in today's NBA, too, where, like, three-point percentage is more uh, – appreciated i think he would be uh a guy that would get more all-star nods that said i still i don't know if knox will necessarily become as good as peak richard lewis but i mean a similar type of dude right like um he came out of he came out of high school uh if i'm not mistaken right into the nba and he played his first year at age 19 just like kevin knox yep and he averaged a cool two and a half points on 37% shooting and 17% from three uh, before improving to a slightly more robust 49% from the field and 33% from three in his second year for eight points. And then beyond that started averaging, you know, 15 points and above. I think we could see kind of a similar, I mean, if we're grading him versus Lewis Knox is already ahead of the curve. Um, Maybe just by virtue of opportunity more than anything else. Um, But you know, he's he already kind of showed that he could do at least that and probably more uh, during different stretches last year. Like if you break if you break Knox's year essentially down into three separate seasons, like December when he fully got healthy after that sprained ankle mm-hmm. and then January, February, where he was absolute garbage and then March into April where he was actually really good again. I mean, if you just look at the December and then the March and April segments, there's like real potential for an efficient scorer there who can shoot the three well and maybe won't be the best defender, but he can rebound a little bit, could potentially be a stretch four someday. Uh, So that's kind of what I'm thinking for Knox. And I'm going to give him like, I don't want to go 50% either because like a coin flip seems a bit much, but I'll actually go 40%. I think there's a 40% chance that, that Knox could potentially make an offset. I don't think that's crazy at all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all going to depend on how he develops, what his role turns into, stuff like that. And and this year will be a big a big indicator for that because he's going to have a lot of competition for getting minutes at the three and four. So, like, he's going to have to really bust his ass this year and, like, really show that he can do it. Um, but I, I, have, I have faith in the dude. I, I think Kevin Knox seems like a hard worker. He seems to really work at his craft well. His body's looking a little bigger every time I see him at those Puma events and stuff this year. Uh, over the summer, he's looked a little more bulky. Um, he also might not have even been done growing 
throughout last year, which, as we know with Frank, is a thing that can definitely affect players. So uh, uh, we'll see, but I, I'm giving him 40%. Uh, let's take one final break, and then we're going to come back. We'll get to our headliners and uh, finish off our uh, all-star chances for all the Knicks under or 25 years of age or under when we come back to Locked on Knicks. All right, welcome into the third and final segment of Locked on Knicks with Jonathan Macri of Knicks Film School. Uh, of course, myself, Alex Wolf, and Gavin Shaw as well. But you're used to us. Uh, you're more here for the guests, usually, I think. I, I think I think when, when guests are on, people definitely listen more for the guests because it's more exciting. Uh, and, John, you're certainly a prestigious guest as you've become. You, you're one of the... One of the tougher guests in the podcast world now. Stop with the tomfoolery, please. (laughs) You're on every podcast, man. I hear you all over the place now. You're like one of the most busy dudes out there. I have nothing better to do. That's really all it comes down to. Yeah, you and me both, man. Uh, All right, so we're going to lead off our our final trio here with Mitchell Robinson, who, you know, actually I could almost argue him and Knox, it's it's an intriguing thing to look at because I don't know if Mitch is ever going to, be the type of dude that puts up those like gaudy all-star type numbers. Uh, but I think we can all agree that the chances of Mitch being a good player that you want on your winning team is definitely like exponentially higher than Kevin Knox. But like as far as all-star chances, it's kind of an interesting debate, I think. Um, I'm with you. I'm happy you introed it that way because I mean, just to throw some names out there, uh, Rudy Gobert, two-time defensive player of the year. Um, no all-star teams. Uh, he was obviously uh, pretty upset about that fact last year. Um, two years ago, Clint Capella averaged 14, 11, and two blocks for the best team uh, record-wise in the league. I'm pretty sure they they still have the best record in the league uh, at the all-star break. Wasn't even given like all-star consideration um, at all. Like a guy like Marcus Gasol. Marcus Gasol was known as like the best defender at the center position for. I I mean I feel like you know, most of his late twenties, early thirties, he made three all-star teams, but like, like you, you felt him like in a way, like on every possession game in and game out in a way that like, I, I'm not sure if you're ever going to, um, feel Mitch. And I say that as like, I, I am, I am, you want to talk about Frank Island. I am king of Mitch Mountain here. I am as big a fan <laughs> of that guy. No, I, I personally, I think like, if anything good happens to this franchise this year and beyond, I think it's going to be because of Mitch Robinson more than anything else. I think he's going to be the leader in the locker room to do it. I think he's going to be, be the leader on the floor to do it. Um, I just, I'm such a believer in him, but given the guys that fit that profile that haven't made the team in the past, I, I don't know how I could give it higher than what I just gave, um, gave Knox, which was a, a, a one in three, Chance. So I'll go slightly higher. I'll go. I'll go thirty-five percent for Mitch. Uh, I, I just want to say, Mitch Mountain sounds like an amazing Disney ride, and I think they should. <laughs> something immediately. Uh, I'm going. I'm going a little, little bit of a different direction, just because I. And this is probably outlandish and and showing off a little bias. Uh, Marcus all aside, because he's just such a talented passer and offensive player, so I'd put him at a different tier. But I, I, I do. I do genuinely believe like Mitch is going to be on another level than um, Gobert and uh, Capella and if our boss, uh, David Locke, who's the uh, jazz's uh, radio voice, hears that I'm going to be fired immediately. So fingers crossed <laughs> he's, not, he's not listening tonight, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I can see him. He was just such an effective, like down the stretch last year, he, he was just such an effective scorer with like really like the worst or close to the worst point guard play in the league. Um, and whether it's one of the guys currently on the roster or if the Knicks just figure out the way to end up with a top 10 point guard eventually, I, I really could see him averaging like 18 to 20 points per game in his prime. Like I, I just think he's that effortless in terms of his ability to catch and finish around the rim. And if he has any offensive diversity at all, I, I, I think he'll get there. I, I could see him averaging 12 rebounds to 13 rebounds a game because he's that kind of athlete, which you don't maybe go bear approach those numbers and maybe Capella got kind of close, but I, I don't think they were quite there. I, I just think in terms of his size and athleticism, he he's sort of in his own tier. And if, if he puts up those, like, let's just say 18, 12 and like three and a half blocks per game in the East, I, I, I think it's going to happen. So I'm, I'm putting it at, I want to go 60%, but that feels a little outlandish. I'm going, I'm going 55%. I think it's just over a one and two chance. He makes an all-star team. Oh, that's actually pretty, uh, that's pretty lofty. I'm, 
I think I'm again going to kind of split the difference between you guys here a little bit. Um, I'm going to go, you know, I'll put him even with Knox just to make a point, I guess, that, you know, even even though Mitch is so 40 percent for me, um, you know, even though Mitch, I think, like I said, we can all probably agree is a much more talented player than Kevin Knox in total. You know, like for what he contributes to the team and what he contributes to the Knicks being able to win basketball games. I don't know if he's ever going to put up those gaudy numbers, but if the Knicks do legitimately become a, you know, powerhouse type team, you look at guys in the past that have been like defensive anchors to the level that Mitch projects to be. And like Ben Wallace made a number of all star teams. Um, And particularly, you got to consider that Mitch is going to be playing in the East as well, hopefully, like forever. Ben Wallace made four all-star teams in the East uh, in the 2000s. And, I mean, I Ben Wallace never did anything close to what Mitch it shows the ability to do on offense. Um, because Ben Wallace was just, like, I don't know, he was really not good on offense. But he was so good on defense that it, like, completely made that not even an issue. Uh, Mitch, I think, could definitely reach those levels of, you know, defense. And, I mean, you look at his per 36 numbers, which, of course, assumes that he can stay on the floor long enough to play 36 minutes, but he averaged 13 points, 11 rebounds and 4.3 blocks last year. Also one and a half steals. I mean, that's it. That's insane numbers. Like if he averaged, if he was able to average even the 30 minute equivalent of that, like let's say it's whatever, like 11 points, 10 boards, you know, three and a half blocks and one steal, something like that on like a good winning team. That's an all-star bid. Like that's that's gonna happen because in the East, like where a lot of time, like for whatever reason in the East, it's always the trendy thing. Like when you have the one team that kind of rises to the top every year, because in the East it always seems to be a different team at the very top every single year. When a so, new team does that, and it's and it's one of those teams that doesn't have like a mega star like a LeBron on it or something, where you can pin all the success on LeBron. Like you look at like the Atlanta Hawks, you look at. Um, the Celtics, you know, during the the Pierce, um, Garnett, and Allen and Rondo years, um, you know, you, you look at teams like that, and and you get sometimes three, four All Star nods out of one starting lineup in the East because the East is just such a weak conference. So I think if you had a situation where the Knicks got really good a couple years down the line, and let's just say for example's sake, you know, they don't need any free agents, and it's like Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett. Um, Dennis Smith and Mitch Robinson are leading a, you know, resurgent, like 50 something odd win Nick team, which would be awesome. And like a dream come true. But if that happens, I could see a real case where it would be like, okay, like RJ would be probably the top scorer or whatever, like Randall's their top big man. And then you might be like, okay, let's give Mitch the nod here because he's their defensive anchor. And he deserves some credit for how good the Knicks are this year. And, and so. two two real quick names to support your guys' points. Um, one, um, someone everybody's obviously going to be familiar with, Tyson Chandler, during the 2012-13 season, made the All-Star team just averaging uh, 10 and 10. Um, only And only a block a game, a little bit more than a block a game. Um, and a guy that, like, it seems like he played forever ago, but it really wasn't that long ago. Um, and and uh, take this with a grain of salt because there was a certain amount of pedigree that was always attached to his name because he was the fourth pick in the draft. But Dikemi Matumbo was a freaking eight-time All-Star. Um, he also put up like truly gaudy block numbers. I mean, he averaged four and a half blocks a game um, one year with Denver. So and and I like you just you we're not going to see those numbers ever again in the league just for because of the way the game has changed and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I mean, that dude made all eight all-star teams. So I, I totally get where both of you guys are, are coming from on Mitch. And I secretly, um, hope that you are right, obviously. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's, let's move to our next name, uh, to keep this, keep this moving along here. We'll go with RJ Barrett. I think, uh, I, it's kind of a toss up between who you want to be. The I was main. about to say it's a toss up between who you want to be the main event here. But I think based off the fact that. I think there's a very real chance that Randall might make one this year, which is going to inflate our percentages quite a bit. Um, I figured RJ would be the best one to to go uh, second to last here. 
So what what are you thinking, John, as far as RJ Barrett goes? Oh, to me, RJ for potential All Star potential. Sure, I I think this is the quickest conversation. I don't like I'll account for like injury and just like completely some kind of out of the blue shit that might happen. But like I don't know, eighty five percent. Like I I just don't. I could see many scenarios where R.J. Barrett doesn't li- live up to the billing of being the third pick in the draft and doesn't live up to the billing that or the hope that some people have for him as being, you know, essentially the franchise savior. I'm going to have a, a piece that's actually for the newsletter this week that will be out on Thursday, I guess, when people are listening to this, um, that talks about how he has a chance to really be one of the most important players in franchise history. Um, even if he does not live up to any of that, I just, like... He'll, he's going to figure out a way to put it together for enough for one season somewhere in the course of his career. Um, I'd be shocked if he didn't. So, yeah, I'm, I'll 85, 85% chance that he makes at least one all-star team. You're, you're going to hate me. But uh, I, uh, I, I am, I'm the king of uh, R.J. Barrett uh, pessimist island. It's like a regular island, but it's upside down. It, it's like it's like a <laughs> basically. Um, so it's Stranger it's Things. Hole. Yeah, you're yeah, in the stra- upside yeah. down? It's Stranger Things. Yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, I, I think he can be an all-star in the Stranger Things world. Uh, I, I don't know. I just, he was just, I, I've said this a million times. I don't need to belabor the point, but he, he just so struggled to score efficiently in college. And then we saw it again in summer league. And obviously you can't overhype summer league, but I just, I just kind of want to see it in the NBA. And, you know, there, there are guys who are better in the NBA with more spacing, with better talent around them. And there's a very, I mean, Duke was sort of a shit show in a lot of ways last year. So there's a chance. That's the reality, and he's such a good pedigree that I just assume in my mind that I'm wrong. But everything I've seen about him, to me, just like screams like Harrison Barnes, Rudy Gay. Harrison Barnes never made an all-star team. Rudy Gay maybe made one. I don't remember. And, and the difference there is that RJ is, is a better passer than those guys are. And he's just such a competitor that I do think he's going to keep improving and he's going to keep figuring out a way to ultimately maximize his potential. But I, he just, like, I don't know. Like, nothing about him, like, just screams like, special as a player and you don't you don't have to quite be in that tier to be an all-star but you just have to be like a notch below that and i, I guess i'm gonna give a boost for him playing in new york so i'll say i don't know like 38 percent about is there a battle i don't know we'll, we'll, we'll wow see i want to be wrong i hope i'm wrong it's a good thing he uh went second to last year i guess then that would have been a flop to end on uh, <laughs> i i think i i, I sort of i sort of agree a little bit with what you said there though gavin about his his potential to end up a Rudy Gay-esque player. I mean, I think there's definitely a shot. I, I think he's definitely a better passer than Rudy Gay ever was or ever will be. Um, and there's no denying that. Like, I do think that he's going to be a good passer. Uh, but as far as scoring efficiently, I mean, it, it he might be like a high-volume, low-efficiency guy. Uh, and there's definitely a chance that that could happen based off, again, like how he performed at Duke last year. Um, shot 45% overall, 31% from three, which was concerning, and only 67% from the line. So he's got to really improve that over the course of his career. That said, though, again, like I, I could really see RJ spending his whole career with the Knicks um, based off how he's been received so far, the fact that the Knicks have seemingly a stable management team in place. I mean, of course, that can always change on a dime. But right now, everything seems to be moving in a way where we could start seeing these guys age um, and play on the Knicks past their rookie deals, which will be a nice thing to see. Um, So with all that being said, I think he gets an inherent bump for playing in the East um, as far as chances of making an all-star team, plus playing in New York, all that stuff. Like visibility will be at a super high level for him if the Knicks turn out good anytime the next couple years and he's a big part of it regardless of if he's kind of inefficient or not. Um, I think he could get, you know, the coaches not even uh, to come in as a reserve, especially because you look at the players that have made all-star teams in the East over the years. And that's where you get those, those fluky one-time all-stars is always in the East. It's never in the West because the West has been stacked for literally like 25 years now. And, you know, that's not going to change anytime soon. So the West is always going to be the one that's really hard to crack the all-star uh, you know, the all-star selections from there and the East is, you know, going to continue to be the one where you can slide in every once in a while and get a, get an all-star in there. So I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to say 70%. 
I think there's a 70% chance that RJ can make an all-star team in the East for the Knicks. Um, and, I, you know, I say that with the caveat of he still has to improve a lot. You know, the current version of RJ obviously is not going to do it. But I have faith in that kid. You know what I mean? Like, Same here. I, I, I think he really genuinely wants to be the best player in the NBA. And yep. regardless of if he ever gets there, he's going to bust his ass like like that's possible for him. And, you know, he could maybe get himself into the top 20 conversation or something. Um, and honestly, if he ever gets to that level, that's that's perfectly cool by me. That would be a pretty good, pretty good outcome, I think. Uh, so we're going to end uh, main event here with Julius Randle, who you could almost argue had an all star caliber season last year for the Pelicans, uh, averaged over 20 points per game, about nine rebounds per game. I mean, it was it was a pretty solid season for him, and he's now going to be featured on the Knicks as their prized free agent acquisition of this offseason. And he's going to be trusted with a lot of responsibility as far as scoring the ball. I am thinking that he's going to be trusted a lot with passing the ball at a high post as well, which could affect his assist numbers and stuff. Um, he's going to be given every chance to be a stat monster this year. I think, and uh, I think there's like a really good chance that he could potentially make the all-star game, but John, I'll throw it to you again to lead off. What are you thinking as far as chances go for Julius Randle? Um, I think his best chance is not going to come this season, but I think it's going to come next season. Um, I think it's funny. You mentioned before the idea of like fluky one-time all-stars. I could see Julius Randle being a fluky one-time all-star. And I think basically this is a question of like, do you think that the Knicks are going to be at or around 500 at any point in time over the next two years, which are the two years that he is, I mean, barring a trade, going to be wearing um, a Knicks uniform? And I know that all of our discussions were not um, specific to guys having to wear the Knicks uniform to be in the, for the, this to count, but I just... He's the type of guy that I foresee, like, if his career, like, where it goes after the Knicks, I could see him taking lesser roles with better teams. Now, if he stays with the Knicks long term, maybe they're a good team, and maybe he's a big reason for that. Um, I can't see into the future that far ahead. I'm not willing to bet on his talent enough to make that prediction. So, basically, if you're asking me, what do I think the chances are that they're going to be around 500 at some point around all-star voting in one of the next two years? I think that, cause I think he's going to put up numbers. I don't think there's any question about that. He was 25 and 10 per 36 last year. Um, I don't know. I'll go 50, 50 straight down the middle. Oof. Yeah. I'm wow. John, I'm happy we could end the agreement because we've, we've been totally divergent on almost all of these. I'm, I'm at the exact same number. Because, I mean, in my mind, like, I don't think Julius Randle will ever be one of the top 24 players in the NBA, but that's ultimately not the question. It's can you yes. put the right amount of stats the right year and, and get the right injuries at your position and just be sort of like a hot enough, irrelevant enough name that you, you get thrown in the mix. And, and I think that's totally possible. Like, if he if he's, like, on the Knicks and they're close to 500 or if he's on, like, another similarly, like, mediocre team where, like, he's allowed to play a big enough role to put up, let's just say, 23 points, like, nine rebounds and, like, four or five assists per game like if he could if he could ever pump up his assist numbers i think that would do wonders for him because then he's just like because it could it could be one of those things where it's like oh there are only three players in the nba who are averaging uh, at least 21 uh, eight and five and julius randall is one of them he has to make an all-star team so to me that would that would sort of be the deciding factor and i do think that's like i i can totally see him putting those numbers up it just comes down to context and like situation like and whether he hits that mark in the right season so i think 50 50 is, is perfect all right let me take a deep breath real quick. All right. Are you guys ready for this one? I'm ready. I think Julius Randle has a 100% oh chance God. Wow. of making an all-star team Whoa. in his career. What if and he it is going to happen this season. <laughs> okay. That's what I'm calling right now. This is my boldest prediction of this whole episode. 100%. That's a, that's a flaming hot take. And it's going to happen this year. He's going to make it this year. What's going to happen is... The Knicks are going to do well enough this year that it's going to be like, wow, look at this improvement from 17 wins to like trending towards, you know, like 30 to 35 wins. And if life is fair, I don't know necessarily that life is going to be fair, but if life is fair, you know, that would mean that the Knicks are a huge success this year. And that would be like they would start getting those puff pieces written about them like the Nets used to get. 
of like, wow, look at what the Knicks are doing. They missed out on Kevin Durant and they missed out on Kyrie Irving. But look at these guys like still doing their thing. They're going out there every night. Julius Randle is putting up huge freaking numbers. Like they're playing competitive, blah, blah, blah. The media hype train will take off on him. I think he's going to average better than his numbers last year. Uh, so I think he's going to average closer to like 24 and 10, something like that. If we're talking just points and rebounds uh, and probably about four assists, which I think would be more than enough to get him in in the East, no matter what. As long as his defense isn't so atrocious that he his like uh, his on offs and plus minuses and all that, like, you know, are totally in the toilet. Um, as long as he breaks even or comes out a little bit ahead, those stats will be more than enough to get him a ton of fan vote which will then start affecting media perception. And then uh, once you get beyond the fan vote, then and he probably won't be a starter based off the fan vote. But I, I think he'll get the coach's nod, and he'll be in there. And I, I think it's going to happen 100% for this year. I'm, I'm sorry. I have to go find the fire extinguisher. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, yeah. No, it's, it's not. I don't think it's. It's not uh, uh, in the land of crazy takes. It's it's not a it's not that crazy. I don't think. I tried to make, make it sound more crazy than it was. Yeah, no, because no, the guy's gonna put up numbers. If like if there's one thing you know yeah. about the Knicks this year, it's he's gonna put up numbers. So yeah, for sure. All right, all right. Well, John, this has been fantastic. This I has been fun, guys. That's a good end to the show. Uh, why don't you tell everyone who is not familiar with you, if there are any such people that listen to Locked On Knicks. Where to find you online, where to find your work, what your work is, all this good stuff. Um, you could probably find me in a bar somewhere once the season starts. Um, no, uh, you could find me where? You could find me at Nick's Film School. So um, subscribe to our newsletter, uh, which you could find a link to in uh, my Twitter bio. And I am at JC Macri MBA. Um, and uh, I think that's about it. Nick's and, Film yeah. School podcast, maybe? Oh yeah, I host I host a podcast, which I'm literally I'm going to hang out from you guys and uh, page someone else and get started on recording one of those right now. So Nick's Film School podcast, you can find us on all major platforms, and uh, I think that's about it. Can I can I just say very quickly for the for the newsletter, John? I meant to message you on Twitter about this at some point, and I, sure. I just did it. That was it was so so good over the summer like oh, it, like it took you. like all, all the jumbled thoughts i had like about the off season and just like summed up coherently and i would like read it and, like initially i'd be like disagreeing a little bit and then i would like read the whole thing and just how like extraordinarily like nuanced it was and i was like oh yeah that is that is exactly what i think i've just never <laughs> never been able to write it down before so those are great if i were I, I don't know if you if you can go back and like read like archive newsletters but they you were can so Okay, perfect. Like in the immediate aftermath of like KD not signing and stuff, like those were those got me through the summer. They were really genuinely great. I, I I appreciate that. I I had um probably more fun writing them and working on them than than you did reading them because they got helped me get through the summer. So, um yeah, but uh, yeah, no, this was this was great, and uh, thank you for the kind words, and uh, I'm sure we'll we'll chat again soon. Yep. So that is all for today's version of Locked On Knicks. Thank you guys all for listening. We will be back with many, many more guests. We are just like guests on guests on guests coming up over these next couple weeks. So get ready for that. Uh, But in the meantime, have a nice day. We will talk to you all soon. Peace out.